Well, we've just read some words that I'd like to turn to quickly. Verse 16 of Psalm 55. Psalm 55. And just read verses 16 and 17 again. This is what the psalmist says. As for me, I will call upon God. That's another word for praying. And the Lord shall save me. There will be an answer. I call, the Lord saves. Verse 17. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. So I want to think tonight very briefly about the subject of prayer. Do you have a method for prayer? David, here in this Psalm 55, directs us to pray morning. He says at noon and then in the evening. Three times a day in the Psalm, Psalm 119 and verse 164. You don't need to turn to it. But it says seven times a day will I praise God. So whether it's three or seven, the point is this. We should be often in prayer, not just a set prayer time, not just 10 minutes here or there, not just when we come to chapel, but we should be often in prayer. Morning, noon, evening, seven times a day. I'm going to refer to a man tonight called Matthew Henry. He wrote a very long uh, commentary. It's usually published in six volumes, but this is on very thin paper and writing that I couldn't possibly hope to read without glasses. But he wrote another book which is perhaps less well known called A Method for Prayer. We need a method for prayer. None of us find prayer easy and we should have a pattern and a method. And Matthew Henry suggests biblically a number of thoughts about how we can pray aright. Let me tell you a little bit about him. He lived from 1662 to 1714, so he overlapped with John Bunyan. But he never managed to finish his great work. He went from Genesis through to Acts, and the rest of his wonderful commentary, easily the most printed commentary, good commentary, ever written on the whole Bible, it had to be finished by 13 of his ministerial colleagues. They took his notes and they filled in what they thought he would put. We have a few children here tonight. Matthew Henry started reading the Bible himself aloud, aged three. Aged three. He could read the Bible to himself. He started this commentary, age 42. He had ten years to work on it, but that wasn't sufficient. And very tragically, he died age 52 when he fell from his horse. That was the mode of transport. He travelled a lot preaching. But four years before he died, in 1710, he wrote a wonderful book called A Method for Prayer. And I'm going to borrow tonight from what he said were some of the directions, first for praying all day, but then for praying morning, lunchtime, 
and in the evening. Matthew Henry said this, I love prayer. It is that which buckles on the Christian's armour. We're to wear all the armour that's been given to us. And prayer is the way that we're putting it on. If you go a day without praying, you're wearing no armour. You are vulnerable to the attacks of the evil one. He says these things about prayer. Prayer is a companion in loneliness. Do we need any better fellowship? than the Father in heaven, a companion in loneliness. Secondly, prayer is to be our counsellor for all the doubts of life, and it's a guide. He promises to direct us with his eye and to lead us in the way wherein we should go. And prayer is the way that we access that guidance. If we're unsure which way to go, we pray. And the eye of the Lord will guide us. Thirdly, he says, prayer is our comfort in all the many sorrows of life. It supports the sinking spirits and it's a strength for the fainting heart. If you need comfort, you pray. If you need counsel, you pray. If you need a companion, you pray. Fourthly, he says, it's the way all our desires are supplied to us. We have a full fountain, says Matthew Henry, an inexhaustible treasure, a rich mine. We need to go often to the fountain, to the treasure and to the mine to gain our supply. He says as well, fifthly, prayer is a support for all our burdens. We all have burdens tonight. Many have major burdens. What will we do with our burdens? We take them to the Lord in prayer. We go before him. He will be your stay and your strength, says Matthew Henry. Sixthly, he will be your shelter in all dangers and a city of refuge near at hand, because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That's a verse from Proverbs. Finally, sixth, seventhly, in his introduction to prayer, he says, Prayer is the means of strength for all our work. It's how we fight the good fight of faith. No prayer, no faith. In prayer, he will arm us for every good work, a companion, a counsellor, a comforter, a supplier, a supporter, a shelter and our strength. That's prayer, according to Matthew Henry. Well, here's his first direction to pray at the beginning of the day. You could turn to Psalm 5 and verse 3, but it says this, my voice Shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Are you a morning person? Sometimes I hear people say, oh, I don't pray in the morning. I'm not a morning person. Well, Matthew Henry would say this. It is our wisdom and our duty to begin every day with God. Pastor Vernon Hyam 
He made a covenant to himself. He wouldn't take his head off the pillow and he wouldn't put his head on the pillow until he had given thanks for the night that was past and for the day that was past. He begins with prayer. We pray at the beginning of the day knowing assuredly that wherever God finds a praying heart, we will hear a prayer hearing God. He says if we pray to God as Father through Christ, as mediator, we will be heard. There's no doubt. God requires us to pray, he says, to remind us of his authority. Why do we pray? We pray to remind ourselves that he's in charge. He is sovereign. I can't go forward into the day if I do so without prayer, and we all do, then we're assuming that we're in charge. And any true believer would have the Lord to rule over us. God requires us to pray because he is Lord of us. He's Lord over everything that touches our lives. He asks a question, shall a servant not talk to his master at the beginning of the day for instructions? Would a dependent not speak to his provider? And would one in danger not speak to his defender? He says, let no obstacle stop you from coming to God. Though God is in heaven, he hears our cries from the depths. Yes, God already knows your need. But you need to be reminded of your need and the one that will supply it. God requires you to pray so that you can then receive mercy and know from where it came. Well, he goes on to say, having established that God requires us to pray, he says, when you begin praying, direct your prayer to God with a fixedness of thought and an application of mind. And he has a lovely illustration. He says, when an archer takes back his bow and the arrow, he closes one eye so that the other eye is fixed upon the target. Our target should always be the glory of God. Shut the other eye to man and to your glory and have your eye fixed upon the target, the glory of God, which equals your happiness. That's interesting. If I pray and desire and to live according to the glory of God, I'm seeking my own happiness because he says God delights to twist his glory and your happiness into one beautiful plait. There's so many illustrations. He says, like the archer, gather all your wandering thoughts. Do you find that when you pray? The thoughts wander here and there. Sometimes it helps to pray aloud at home, even when you're on your own. That stops the wandering mind. When you pray, close your eye to man's glory. He then goes on and says, when you pray, address your prayer like a proper letter. 
Address it to the recipient. Use all his names so that the postman won't lose your letter to heaven. Give him his titles as you do when you address a person of honour. Direct your prayer to him as the God of glory whose greatness is unsearchable. Use lots of names. God has so many names. We are to use them. The modern trend is we just pray, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's not what the Bible does in prayer. The great prayers of the Bible, they use all the names of God and we are to do the same. So morning hours, he says, are especially good for prayer. He mentions that in the Old Testament, the priests sacrificed lambs and burned incense each morning. The singers thanked the Lord each morning. Why should we be any different, he asks. No, we must offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Give the first part of your day to the Lord, not the leftovers, not the stale bits at the end of the day. Now, just an aside, how long should we pray for? As long as you can. Not too long, so that you feel you've failed if you don't pray that long on a particular day, but as long as you can and as much as you can keep up each day. Here's his second direction about spending the day with God, not just the morning. He turns here to Psalm 25, verse 5. On thee do I wait all the day. Waiting. That's difficult. None of us like to wait. He says waiting involves a patient expectation of God to come in mercy at his time. Not your time. His time. And our purpose to wait all the day is to wait on the Lord's time. Upon his perfect time. We're to wait with constant attendance, believing, expecting that he will answer in his time. Believers need to be patient. We often have to wait through long, dark, stormy days for God to answer. But we wait, he says, with certain hope. The Lord will answer in his time, in his way. But we're to wait on the Lord all the day long with desire towards him, delight in him, dependence on him, devotedness to him. Oh, these Puritans, they're saturated with thoughts of God. He says we should spend our days desiring God like a beggar, putting out his hat towards his benefactor. Our benefactor is the bread of life and we put out our hat in prayer to the greatest benefactor of all. He says we should live in delight of God. We should be in constant dependence upon him like a child towards his father whom he completely trusts, who has never failed him. And always supplied 
his needs, a life of devotedness. He says to pray without ceasing is a disposition of the heart where we wait on God every day in public worship, in private, calling upon the Lord. We wait on him in days of prosperity when he smiles and dark days of adversity when the clouds seem very heavy. We must learn to lean on him while we're young and then we'll be prepared when we're old to call out to the Lord in time of need. Let me move on. He speaks about devotions in your family circle. What of them? He says devotions strengthen the church. A church that has families that have a family altar will be a strong church and a godly church. And a church that doesn't pray at home won't pray in public. Family devotions where all join in prayer, promote godliness at home and godliness in the church. He practiced in his home what he preached. He would take through the week a portion of his Sunday message and divide it up to his children. He catechized them. He taught the older ones when the younger ones had gone to bed. Now I know we say they didn't have much else to do in those days and they had long nights with candles burning. Yes, but they used their time as well as they could. He considered family worship to be a time for the whole family to come before God seeking blessing, thankfulness for mercies. And here's something delightful. Bringing the fractures of the day in relationships within the family to the Lord to heal them. At the end of the day, you bring those broken, fractured relationships to the Lord. You can't pray as a family until you've healed or sought to heal the fractures that have occurred because of each of our sin. He goes on. We're coming to the final section. If you take a book to read, he says... Make sure it's a good book. Don't waste your time with anything else. When you come to pray, take a good book in your hand and sit down with it. If you go on a trip, take a book with you. You never know what hours you will have that will bring you to prayer. And then how do you close the day? His third direction. David says in Psalm 4 verse 8, he says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. Do you have nightmares? Do you sleep badly? Do you wake up in the night lonely? Some do. I will both lay me down. He says, let prayer at night still every storm in your life. And command and create a calmness in your soul before your head lies down. Having God to be our God in covenant through the day and through the night. Though the gracious soul still desires more of God, 
you will never desire more than God. Lie down with thanksgiving. Review the mercies of the day. Every step you've taken, review it. Consider the sin that you've committed before you lay down your head. Reflect on your mortality. Many a person, especially in those days, would lie down but not rise up again, sobering. As the light of eternity breaks upon us after sun has set, we should reflect that one day it will set for the final time. And we know not whether it's our final night. Remember your corrupt nature. Examine your conscience. Plead for repentance with godly sorrow, he says. Commit your bodies to the care of angels, his angels, and your soul to the influence of the Holy Spirit who mysteriously speaks to us through the night. You ever have that experience? The Lord comes and an impression is laid upon your soul. Well, if you pray that it will, then it will. We should have this awareness even through the night. You might be a very heavy sleeper, I don't know. The older you get, maybe the more broken our sleep becomes. But commit your soul to the Lord. Walk with God in prayer from morning through the day until you close your eyes at night. And then enjoy access to God through the night. He is always Available. Ephesians 2.18 he quotes, For through him, Jesus Christ, we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Prayer, he concludes, is our approach to God and we have access in it. We must come boldly before him. He goes on, and I haven't got time to cover it, a method for prayer. He says simply, pray the scriptures. If you don't know what to pray, pray God's promises back to him. Tell him your burdens, our concerns, our needs, our sins are many, but his mercy is great, and therefore take them to the glorious God of heaven. Keep your prayers short, clear, like those found in the Lord's Prayer, not rambling. Don't lose your consciousness. But no, know when to end in public and in private. Quote the scriptures. Pray them back to God. Plead the promises of God. Robert Murray McShane said this. Turn the Bible into prayer. Nothing is surer or more helpful as a rule or guide in prayer than the word of God. Use the prayers of the Bible to pray. Let your prayer be full of adoration, confession, asking, petition. For yourself, yes, but for others. Thanksgiving and then a conclusion. That all will be for the glory of God. He quotes that lovely verse from Exodus. Who is a God like unto thee? Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. This is the God 
that we pray to. I'm going to finish there. There's so much we could say on that topic. We need a method for prayer. We're to have an order. We're to have a purpose. We're to pray scripture. We're to pray morning, through the day, in the evening. Have a constant attitude of prayer and the Lord will help us.